even if you are not famous and you think, well, maybe my story isn't interesting enough to tell, there are these universal themes which can make you very compelling to somebody who has no connection to you whatsoever. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. If you've ever thought of writing your own book, whether it's a business book, a novel, or a memoir, then this podcast is going to be interesting to you. Laura Gale is an author, an editor, and a ghostwriter. And in this interview, we explore what those roles actually do. First of all, why do you need an editor if you're writing your own book? And also, why would you use a ghostwriter? How do they work with you to write a book for you? And he's using a ghostwriter cheating. We explore all of that with Laura. Okay. Hi, Laura. Thank you very much for joining us on the Ideas Lab podcast. Thank you so much for having me, John. It's great to be here. Now, you are an editor and a ghostwriter and a, a number of things and a writer of, you, of your own books. And I think there's lots of interesting questions we could talk about here, uh, lots of things we could talk about. Um, but maybe it's kind of useful to separate out what these different roles are, because mm. When people think about writing a book, particularly when they write it themselves, they don't realize the value in engaging other people. So first of all, why would somebody want to hire an editor? So the role of an editor is to bring professionalism and credibility to your project. This book is going out in the world as a representation of you, the writer, or you, the business person. And so you want it to be as close to uh, close to perfect as, as possible. It's really important that you sort of hit some big markers when you're publishing a book. You want to make sure that the structure of the book is, is really tight and really focused. There's no holes or pieces out of order. You want to make sure, obviously, that all of the words are correct and all of the facts are correct and it's been proofread and so it's very polished by the end of the process and that's very hard to do when you're the one that has written the book because you're just so close to it you don't see the problems anymore Um, and so having an editor particularly someone who reads widely and has been working in the industry for a long time they're going to have seen themes arise in different genres of book. And so if you're working with someone, say you're writing a memoir and you're working with an editor that specializes in memoir, they're going to be able to make sure that you're hitting the high notes of that genre, you know, making sure that you have a really clear through line, you know, a thematic progression that readers can follow. They're going to be making sure that you're focused on the right elements of the genre and honing out the information that maybe doesn't belong in this story. And, you know, they're going to help you just see it much more clearly. Yeah. And so it's worth pulling out from that. It sounds like there are two, I think of it as, as two distinct roles as, if, within editing. And one is what I think of as low-level stuff of spotting your mistakes, typos, grammar, duplications of like, wait a minute, you, you've used that quote already or you told that story somewhere early and forgotten because it's such a, well, maybe that's just me, but forgotten by the time you got two thirds away through the book. But there's another thing, which is that structural edit you mentioned 
which is ma- making sure there's a through line. Can you explain a little bit about what that means? Sure. So a through line is the theme that the book comes back to often or or kind of the big idea that a reader will take away from having read the book. And the structural edit is about making sure that that through line is consistent and present. Um, You know, it's, it's hard reading if there's not a through line because where is this going? Like, what is the point of all of this? You know, you need a kind of a theme to tie all of the material together. Um, And so your, the editor's role in that process is to look for where things are out of place. Um, you know, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, there will always be areas where the the author has skipped ahead, right? You think you've written the complete thought or think you've explained enough because you know what you're talking about. But to a reader who has no context of your life or your story, this, you know, paragraph or page or a chapter even can just make completely no sense. So the role of the editor there is to say, well, hang on, hang on, we need to flesh this out and, and explain what this is and why it's here. And, you know, maybe actually this fits better in this part of the book or, you know, maybe that story that you tell towards the end would be better at the beginning because it would set a better tone and help people understand a bit more. You know, they're sort of looking at it as like, you know, each element of the book, each word, line, paragraph, chapter is a a component that can be moved around. If you think of it like building blocks, you can kind of shuffle them around and make as many different configurations as you want. And the role of the editor there in that structural edit is to make sure they're in the configuration that ends with the most beautiful possible um, outcome. Yeah, I think it's really important because I see a classic thing people do when they start writing is they 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 kind of go backwards and forwards in the story. And the most powerful thing to do is to go from, uh, you know, like the hero's journey of challenging situation through you know, the call to adventure, through, you know, a big obstacle, and then out the other side and things are better and you're transformed as a person. But what they do, and this can happen even in, you know, the space of a paragraph sometimes, if it's just a little bit within a chapter, but what people do is they 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 tell this bit at the beginning and how it's difficult, and then we say, and then it was great, and then I got over it. But then, but it, but it was really bad when I was, and they're going backwards and forwards, and it loses all the power of it. Whereas if you just mm-hmm. rearrange it, suddenly it it does that magic thing that our brain likes so much, which is it, it it's um you know my agent calls it a narrative arc, which is similar to kind of through line. Yeah, we're going on a journey with people, and this the journey doesn't go backwards and forwards unless it's of course it's a clever literary device where you're you know you're going through a narrative arc but you're telling a story by jumping back in time and mm, you have to mm. be pretty clever at it to do you that do. it's a, that is a tricky device to pull off i have to say <laughs> yeah yeah not everyone can write memento maybe some people don't get that reference right. it's an amazing <laughs> film about memory and it's all it it's you don't know which what happens before what else because the guy doesn't have a memory and so uh and I, I read some self-published business books and I just think there's a really good book struggling to get out here, but I am cannot stand reading it any longer because, it, you know, there's another you know, thing people do is that there's repetition. So you might want to deliberately repeat something, but do it with consciousness and say, look, I want to make this point again because it's so important that even when you're doing your marketing, you have to be yourself, for instance, one of the concepts I would impress on people just the same as when you're choosing your business idea so you're coming back to the same themes but you don't want to just make the same point you know really powerfully once and then half make it another time because you forgot you've already kind of said that 
And um, I think that seems like a mistake, but are there, are there any other classic mistakes that people, you see people doing in business books in particular? I think some of the big ones are assuming that your reader has the same worldview or same um, understanding of this topic that you do. And they just don't, <laughs> you know, the, the role as I see it for the, the editor or the ghostwriter in that situation is to be an advocate for the reader and to say, hang on, hang on, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. You're assuming that people understand what you're talking about. So obviously an entrepreneur has a huge wealth of experience and expertise, but to translate that to a general readership takes a bit of interpretation. And so you've really got to help them break it down to kind of a base level, you know, explain the foundational stuff and build on it so that the reader has a growing uh, sense of um, competence in, in what they're learning. Um, another thing is information hierarchy. So telling things out of order or um, jumping into concepts or ideas when they haven't sort of set the stage to talk about those ideas, you know, you've got to really make sure you bring people with you and, and don't get ahead of them. You know, people will not persevere in a book where they're confused about why this thing is happening or, you know, having to flick back a few pages because, you know, did they talk about this already? Did I misunderstand? You know, there's, there's got to be a lot of clarity and people will give up on a book that has these kind of holes and switchbacks and yeah. I read a book that introduced some sort of concept or thought it had introduced a concept and the whole thing revolved around this concept and at no point did I understand what the concept was actually saying. Right. And right. it and That's then we just point. kept referencing it forevermore <laughs> and I just went like, what is this thing? And nope. uh, <laughs> yeah. And so this is why so many self-written, you know, self-published books are so terrible. So if you sorry to be harsh, but it's true. And and if you but there's nothing wrong with self-publishing in itself, it just means that you do need somebody who's going to uh, – sometimes people use two different – like in uh, – in um, uh, for me with a book deal with Pearson, um, there, sometimes a different person doing what, the line edit, I think it's sometimes called, or the proofreading, and then another person will do the structural edit. And sometimes it's the commissioning editor that does the kind of structural edit and says, well, surely this chapter should be before this. I remember when I handed in uh, my first book 10 years ago, Screw Work, Let's Play, and the commissioning editor uh, went through it and, and read the whole thing and and sent all his comments. And, and, and in my voice, it was just like, why on earth is this chapter even here? <laughs> and it, was, it was just this, this sort of, it took me 24 hours before I could, I could actually bear to reply to her and, 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 you know, pick myself up off the floor and, um, and possibly she should learn to give her feedback a little bit more gently for first time authors. But now I, I know that that's what a lot of, uh, commissioning editors in, in publishers do because they're just a bit, blunt and haven't got the time but she really made a massive difference by giving me that feedback she said look you've got to have a structure to every chapter open with a quote then a story and then you end with action points and then in between you've got all this other stuff and then you've got the you know there's different styles in the book um where there are like there's a case study style there's a you know a, a breakout box that gives you more information or something, and they each have a different format as well. But you at least have to have the concept before before you even go to a designer that there are different elements to your book. So that's one of the things that I guess you're doing for people. Yeah, helping them understand the best way to present the information is also a big part of you know it doesn't seem like part of what you would do as a writer, but actually 
Um, there's so much that goes into understanding what you're reading, right? And so it's the difference between reading a page that is just a wall of text and a page that has lots of white space on it. It's much easier to understand the page with all of that white space and variations in the paragraph length and sentence length to, you know, it's so much easier to understand than trying to wade through this big chunk and, you know, pictures help obviously and breakout boxes, there's footnotes, there's so many different elements that you can include to communicate more than just what is actually written. And so I think a lot of people miss, uh, understand how they can communicate with their reader. It's, it's, as I say, it's much more than just the words on the page. And so um, I do think there is a lot of work to be done before you engage a designer um, or before you go to formatting for publication, you've got to have a really clear idea. If you're self-publishing, you have to have a very clear idea of what you want the book to look like physically before you go to a designer. Because if you say, here's my book, make it pretty, they'll do what they are going to do with it. And that will be a result, but it won't be the result that you want. So it it's not enough to just say, do your thing. You know, you've got to have a very clear vision for how you want the reader to experience it, the parts that you want to highlight and emphasize. Um, you know, how can you engage all of the senses of the reader beyond just, you know, scanning the words on the page? Now, an- another thing you've probably come across is, in fact, I think you've worked with some quite famous people on things that are more autobiographical. Is that right? Something. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, if we if we look at memoirs, which a lot of a lot of people want to write, either a straight memoir of their life, or they want to write um, something that is at least semi autobiographical. So you might even write a business book, which is autobiographical. It has your journey in there, and maybe you know you you know your hard life or something, or life experiences that formed you that you then overcame in order to become successful. So that's a very common kind of. Uh, motivated for people to write a book but those can often go wrong aren't they can't they so is a is there something in particular people should watch out for if they're setting down setting out to write something as a memoir or as a, or as an autobiographical non-fiction book what should they bear in mind i think the most important thing is to choose a specific element of your life to focus on so whether that's a time period or a lesson you're having to learn over and over again or tracking something across multiple generations, focus on something rather than everything. Because when you focus on everything, it's just, it becomes very messy and it's difficult for the reader to follow again because life doesn't have a through line. It doesn't have a narrative arc. We make meaning as we go. And so when you're writing, you also have to make meaning for the reader, for them to be able to follow along with you. And so the best memoirs, I think, have, you know, they're focused on a very short period of time or something thematic. And so, you know, for example, uh, Open by Andre Agassi is an amazing memoir uh, written with a ghostwriter whose memoir is also amazing. But Open is focused on Agassi's struggle in the spotlight and, and the battle he was constantly having with himself uh, between his private and public personas. That's a very specific problem to grapple with. 
and it gives shape to everything else. You know, everything that he recounts about his life goes through this lens and it makes it very compelling because you understand these experiences he's talking about as a child feed this paradox that he's experiencing. And so it helps a lot to just pick a theme or a specific period in time. Yeah, that's, that is really interesting. And I suppose I was thinking of Elton John's autobiography, although it was written by a ghostwriter. Um, and it, it's really fantastically written. It's very entertaining, even if you're not an Elton John fan, which I'm not particularly. But it, it's he knows everybody who's ever existed in music, which makes it quite entertaining, and, you know, every celebrity you can name. But, it, but there are themes in there about, um, A, his drug addictions, and B, his difficult childhood, which kind of, and, and, and the way that presents itself as his terrible behavior. So he's very, he's very open throughout, completely open, or at least, you know, from what we're reading, it seems it might, maybe he's done something which is even more terrible, which we don't know about. But, um, but he's very open about how unreasonable he's often been with partners or people around him and stuff like that. And it makes it very endearing. And, and it's, I think that's a really good thing. So you would have thought that being one of the best tennis players in the world would be a pretty good theme to start with. But like you say, there's something else. And I think also the fact that there's, that also gives a struggle, doesn't it? It also gives a kind of a human flavor, whichever people might relate to. So lots of people can relate to having had a difficult family situation and, um, and, and having some addiction of some kind. So we can even relate in some ways to Elton John. Absolutely. And, and there's so much shared experience, you know, across, across life, you know, no matter who you are or where you grow up away from, it's everybody has consistent experiences to some extent, you know, there's search for meaning, there's search for identity, there's your family relationship, your position in your community. There's so many things that we all go through in different ways. And even if you are not famous and you think, well, maybe my story isn't interesting enough to tell there are these universal themes which can make you very compelling to somebody who has no connection to you whatsoever. And so I think the other thing I would say with memoir is don't discount the interest of your own story. I think a lot of people talk themselves out of writing something when actually they probably have very interesting things to say um, just because they don't think they're famous enough or successful enough or rich enough or whatever. And, And those are not good reasons to not write your story. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. So it's it's not just about, you know, how dramatic your life is or how, how big a success you've had or whatever it might be, but it's about but the themes that you can pull out that everybody can relate to. That's really interesting. And so if people come to you and hire you as, so you do editing, but you also do ghostwriting, how does that work if I want to hire a ghostwriter? Does that mean I just go, I'd like a write, I'd like a book on this subject and you just go write it? Presumably <laughs> requires a bit more work on my part, doesn't it? A little bit more work than that. And, and um, isn't ghostwriting cheating? I'm sure a lot of people think that, right? It's like, oh, it's written by ghostwriter. So I would say ghostwriting is actually very efficient. Um, for a lot of people who have very interesting stories, trying to write it themselves is going to get in the way of the story. Like you said, you know, you've read many business books where there's a great book in there, but it hasn't been able to work its way out. And often that's because the person writing it is not a professional writer. They're maybe a professional marketer or a professional tennis player or musician or whatever. They're great at their thing, but they haven't done 
you know, the decades of work and study and, and slog to become a great writer. You know, like I haven't done the work to become a great tennis player. You know, I couldn't walk onto the court and do what Agassi does. He, in the same way, knew that he couldn't sit down at a keyboard and do what a great writer would do. And so he hired a writer whose work he really liked. And so I think it's unfair for a lot of, particularly entrepreneurs and people who are running their own businesses and wanting to write a book, it's unfair to expect yourself to be able to sit down and produce something that you feel really proud of and happy with and that's at the standard that you dream it to be. So I think, you know, in the same way that you hire somebody to do your taxes, you might as well hire somebody to do your writing. And so the the caveat there is that you have to spend a lot of time with your ghostwriter. So it's not a question of, okay, you just go off and read all my blog posts and stitch them together. That's not how it works. It's very much a case of setting a strategic intent for the book. You know, what do you want this to be? What do you want the reader to take away from this? What do you want their transformation to be after having read this book? And then working backwards and saying, okay, well, what do we need to talk about for all of those things to happen? And once you've sort of been able to build a quite detailed outline, then you go into interviewing and that interview process is very immersive. I'm going to ask you all the questions I can think of and there will be no holds barred. So it's, you know, it becomes very, uh, a close, very close working relationship. Um, And then once I've got all of that information and I've spent, you know, months talking to you and sort of immersed in your brain, then I can go away and take all those recordings, turn it into a draft, and then we can you know, make sure that it's all very much you, that there's nothing missing, that everything is in the order that it's supposed to be. I'm going to want a few of your friends to read it, a few of your business contacts to read it, people who have known you a long time to make sure that there's no points where it doesn't sound like the client. Um, so it's, it's very immersive. It's very focused on making it sound as much like the person I'm working with as possible. Uh, and then obviously you go into editing and publication and all of that stuff at the end. Yeah. And it, and for that reason, it's not a cheap thing to hire a ghostwriter because you're really, you're really in it for weeks, if not months. So yes, spend about six months at a time on each project. Oh wow, really? Yeah. So yeah, this is uh, it's a, it is a significant investment. However, if you have, you know, in the case of a business book, if you have a business that's working, to take out a time to write a book. Uh, it's just phenomenally expensive, I have found. <laughs> and <Sorry. laughs> that was, uh, it kind of worked out well. But this third book that that's, uh, I have coming out this month, um, which is called Fuck Work, Let's Play, is right. <laughs> basically a new version of my first book. It's rewritten and, and got new stories and new advice in it and um, and a new title. And, and that meant I could do that relatively quickly because writing an entire book from scratch just takes, um, well, probably about the same amount of time nice. it takes you, basically, which right. is six <laughs> months. Um, it may not be full time six months. It might, you might be splicing of other things, but it's a huge amount of time. And if you think, if you took out six months, if, you know, and spend it just on, if you had an extra six months to spend on your business to make more money, you'd make a huge, you know, once you've got a working business, you make a huge sum of money. So, um, I think, you know, when people see the price tag, of, uh, uh, they might be a bit alarmed, but, um, uh, but I think it's, you've got to think it, think of it in those terms. And I think if you want to write a book and it's just your story, maybe the, maybe you have a, I don't know, if you just want to do it for your own kind of 
like you want to tell your life story, maybe you don't do it that way and maybe you write it first and then you perhaps just um, hire someone like you to edit it and to shape it, which will be cheaper. Definitely. It really depends on what your intent for the book is. If you are doing it as a personal project for catharsis of some sort or just to prove to yourself that you can do it or for your you know, your own social group, then do it yourself. It will be really such a valuable experience and, and you'll get a huge amount of satisfaction from having done it. But if your goal is to use the book to grow your business or to grow your authority or to get speaking engagements or you know, insert business goal here, then it's usually going to be much more effective to have somebody write it for you. Because as you say, you're busy running your business, there are probably better uses, more profitable uses of your time. You're unlikely to recoup the cost of your book project from the upfront book sales. You're more likely to recoup the cost from selling your high ticket offers after somebody has come into your sphere from reading the book. So if you sell, you know, a very high end product, you might only need to sell one to a reader to recoup your cost, but it's much more effective for you to focus on making that as seamless and effective as possible and let somebody else handle that sort of front end acquisition. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. And uh, you've written a couple of books yourself. Um, your old one is about content marketing. It looks quite interesting, but we, there is actually a way for people to get your new book, how to write this book. Um, there's a way to get that for free, which we'll talk about in a moment. What's how to write this book about? So that one is about writing, publishing and marketing a business book. So that's basically the entire process that I use with my ghostwriting clients to get their, I get their book from idea to, listed and available for sale, and then what to do to make sure it actually does sell um, once it's published. Because it's very easy to go through the process of writing and publication and everything and think, whew, I'm done. But actually, you're only halfway there because you've actually got to sell the thing to make it do what you want. Um, So the marketing is a really important piece. And it starts a lot earlier in the process than people realize. So yeah, I think that's definitely an important thing to focus on. Yeah, it is. And that's one I'm always telling people. And they, they imagine that particularly once, particularly if they're going to get a book deal, uh, they imagine that once they've got a book deal, that's the end of story. But it, you know, it seems like Pearson are going to put a lot of weight between behind my new book and put quite a lot of effort and money into promoting it, but th- you can't guarantee that. And often, even when they do that, you can have just as much effect yourself with your own marketing tasks. So I think that's a really important thing. So I mentioned you can get this book, how to write this book for free. Where do they go to get to do that? So if people head to my website, lauraiswriting.com, it will pop up there on the homepage. I just scroll down a little and the pop-up will emerge and just put your details in and a PDF will come straight to you. Brilliant. So lauraiswriting.com. Yeah. And I've done that already. So I'm going to have a look at that. Thank you. And uh, there's always more I can learn. Well, uh, thank you, Laura. I think that's been really interesting. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to 
theideaslab.org forward slash podcast. 